Today's scripture reading will be the story of God calling out to Samuel. But before we uh, open that and read that, I think as always it's important to kind of get a bearing with where we are in the bigger narrative at this point. I think it can be uh, dangerous at times and just not helpful at other times to jump into a story and just look at that story. So before we open it today, we need to know a little of what's going on in Israel's history at this time. And at this time is the time of the judges. If you've read through the Bible or um, studied that at all, the time of the judges is kind of this cyclical movement of God's people keep stumbling and walking away and God sends a judge and the judge does their thing every time it's different. The people come back to God and that cycle keeps repeating. And then we get to Samuel. And before Samuel is born, we have Samuel's mother, who at that time was not able to have kids. And she's in the temple praying to God, asking God to give her a child. And she makes a promise to God that if you do this for me, I will give this child back to you. I will bring this child to the temple to serve you there. And at that same moment, we meet Eli, the, the head priest at that time, the one who is supposed to be telling the people um, what God's word is for them in their lives. And Eli sees Hannah praying and ends up, in, amongst other conversation, ends up blessing her and saying, I hope and pray that what you are asking God will come true. Uh, we also learn that Eli's sons, who are next in line to be priests, are doing some pretty wicked things. They are not living the way that they are supposed to, that anyone should be living, let alone the next in line to be priests. And so we have this coming together of Eli and Hannah in that conversation. Hannah ends up having a child, and that child, like she promised, she sends to Eli in the temple, and Samuel works in the temple in front of God and for Eli. And so that's where we are in this story. And so you need to know a little of that background, a little of where we are, because that plays into the part of the story that we'll read now. So join me in, in reading either on the screen behind me or uh, if you have a Bible there with you too. 1 Samuel 3, starting at verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. But he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. And so he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel answered, Here I am. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, You called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. 
So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there again, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. And at that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sins that he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or by offering. And then Samuel went and laid down until morning, and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. But he was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. This is the word of the Lord. And it's a longer story. There's a lot going on in it. There's a lot that has come before it. There's a lot still to write in that story. But I think it's an important story. And I think the reason I chose it, <clears throat> I'm glad I brought <clears throat> my water up this morning. Um, <clears throat> we'll see if that goes away. Uh, the reason I chose it is because personally, I'm at a time of wanting to hear God's voice. I'm at a time of doing this internship here, and it's supposed to help me figure out, hey, where am I going on this journey? My throat is going to be really weird. That's, we'll see where it goes. Otherwise, Ruth Ann, I have all my notes here, and... <laughs> So I'm, I'm on this journey of trying to figure out, is this where God is calling me? Is God calling me to a life of being a pastoral leader in this kind of way? And, and part of my internship here has been trying to discover that. And so when I was told, Peter, you're preaching this Sunday and it's not part of a series, you have to go find your own thing, it's a little bit of panic. It's, it's easy when Pastor Eric chooses a series and I'm just plugged into it. And so I, I ask myself, where am I in life right now? What is it uh, that is churning through my mind? And part of that was wanting to hear God's call. And so I turned to Samuel because I turned to Samuel because I was like, well, Samuel heard this call from God, and that was a big deal. So I am going to turn to that and see what did Samuel do to hear this word of the Lord? So I wanted to look for some of those answers. And we just came from Lent where we were talking about making space for God. And if the slides were working, which I think things have gone out, but we can deal with that, um, 
when we turn and look through the Bible, we see different kinds of stories that God is using. And we see the Bible as sometimes being descriptive and sometimes being prescriptive. But the Bible, we tend to read as always, we want it to tell us what to do. So we want it to be that prescriptive. The, okay, I read this, Samuel did this, so I should do this. If we can go back a few slides just to a note about scripture. There we go. It says, see, I told you, descriptive and prescriptive. We were on track. Um, and so within that, I tend to want to read for that prescription, that you should do this so that this would happen. And so I went to Samuel and went to this story looking for some of that. And I was reminded again that a lot of the time in the Bible, it's not prescriptive. It's not just about application. It's not this person did this, so you should do this too. Sometimes stories are there as a description. Sometimes stories are there not just for fun and a great story to read before you go to bed, but sometimes the stories are there simply to tell us about who God is and about what God is like and about how God lives in relationship with us. And sometimes these stories just tell us a bit about who we are also. Not just what we should do and what we need to be like, but this Bible is a story written for us to get to know who God was. And I tell you this because I was reminded again this week that I can't just flip to parts of the Bible to be like, well, Samuel did this, I'll do this, then God will do this. I needed to be reminded again of who God is and what God was like for Samuel because it's a reminder that God doesn't change and can continue to be like that for us as well. And so as a sermon today, it might sound more like a bit of a Bible study, but it's my walking through this and discovering what is God saying about himself in this passage? What is God telling us? What did God tell Samuel that we can kind of look at that story and learn something about God? And so we look first at the context. And we read that there in verse 1. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And later in verse 3, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And both of those are kind of setting a context for this story. The word of the Lord was rare, which is kind of a funny beginning after right before what we read when Hannah prayed to God and God responded and it was very clear that God was working and active in their midst. But the word of the Lord was rare. Those visions were rare. People weren't communicating with God in the ways that we've read in scripture up unto this point. And sometimes words and visions are rare because people don't hear them or people don't see them. And sometimes words are rare because people aren't saying them. And we don't learn in this passage, is God being silent or are people just not able to hear? This isn't telling us about all of those details. But we hear that the word of the Lord is rare. And I think, going ahead a little bit, I think it's kind of funny how we hear that the word of the Lord is rare, and then we hear that God calls Samuel, and Samuel doesn't recognize that that's the word. And so Samuel at that moment would still say, well, the voice of the Lord is rare. And God would say, but I've been calling your name. And so sometimes the words are rare just because we don't recognize them and then can't claim them as, hey, God is speaking. And so we read in the story, it was rare. 
And we read that the lamp had not yet gone out. And what the scripture writers often do is they're using these word pictures because the lamp of God was an actual thing in the temple that burned all through the night to remind of God's presence. And so we can read this and say the lamp of, the, of God had not yet gone out, which simply means it was still nighttime. But when you write that right after saying visions were rare, we're also hearing they're playing with those words a little. Visions were rare, people weren't hearing from God, but it wasn't hopeless. That lamp of God's presence had not yet gone out. God was still moving. And so that's the context that we're reading this in. And then we look at the people. Because here again, the author is playing with some of the words. Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see. On one hand, we could just remove a lot of words and say Eli was getting old. And that was true. Eli had been a priest for a really long time. And as he got older, his eyes were becoming weak. He was becoming weak. But often within scripture, a physical description like this is also telling a story of this person's character. Eli, the priest whose whole job was to hear the word of the Lord and to share that with the people, his eyes were becoming weak so he could not see. Not just the physical things around him, but he could not see those visions. Visions were rare. Hearing the word of the Lord was rare because the priest who was supposed to do that was going blind, spiritually and physically in this sense. And his family, that family line, the priests who were supposed to be coming up after Eli, they were doing even worse than Eli was. And so we have a bit of a hopeless story here. Rare visions, a priest who's blind, how are we ever going to hear the word of the Lord? And then we hear Samuel. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, it says in verse 1. And then verse 7, we hear that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And around this time, Samuel was probably about 12 years old. He had ministered before the Lord for nine years already. He lived and worked and did everything in that temple in the presence of the Lord before the Lord and before Eli. And then we read that he didn't know the Lord. And for me, I find that very interesting. We have an old priest who did know the Lord, who had received words from God, who had received visions, whose eyes were failing him, and he did not see anymore. And then we have a young boy whose eyes were not failing him, who spent every single day in the temple, in the presence of God, but somehow did not know God because that word had not been revealed. And I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I, I look at myself and Eric and the conversations we get to have as he mentors me to hear God's voice and as to see. And I wonder what Samuel and Eli, did they have those conversations too? Was there just such a disconnect that this old man who had heard from God wasn't able to teach a young man who was ministering in God's presence for nine years already how to know the Lord? And for whatever reason we have, those are the two people. Two different people in totally different places, spiritually and physically, both there in the temple that night. And so we go to the setting. And again, I'm moving slowly through this, and some of it will just sound like, well, we're reading over again the story we just read. 
But for me, this was an important part of the process of I needed to see these details for what they were and what they weren't because I needed to see God within this, not my job within this. And so we read a mundane fact like verse 2 that Eli was lying down in his usual place. And then verse 3, Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And I don't know if you know anything about the temple, but you had the outer courts, you had the inner part, and then you had the holy of holies where the ark of God was. And that place was where God had said, my presence is here with you. This is a physical reminder of me being with you. And so when I read that again last week as I was preparing for this, I wanted to say, ding, 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 that's the answer. It was because Samuel went and lay down in the presence of God, that is where he heard God's voice. And if I wanted to read this as prescriptive, as I wanted to read it as application, maybe I should come up here and lay down here and sleep here tonight because this is the altar of God, this is where God is present and I had to remind myself again, this story is not about what Samuel did. Samuel was lying in the presence of that Ark of the Covenant because it was Samuel's job to make sure that lamp we heard about didn't go out. And so this was just a regular old Friday night, we'll call it for Samuel. He was lying where he needed to, to do his job. Eli, we can't read that he was off in that place because he was ignoring it. Nope, Eli was lying in his bed too. And so we have a regular old night where two very different people, both in the presence of God, are lying down, going about their regular tasks. Nothing was wrong in this. This was the normal. And we talked all through Lent about creating space for God and about being intentional in going into spaces where we could hear from God. And I'm not going to throw that all out the window, absolutely not, because we can make room for God. We have to see also in this that God does and can and will speak in places where we haven't necessarily done anything to go out of our way to hear from God. God works on the regular, I'm calling it Friday night, it doesn't say that in Hebrew, on the regular Friday nights when we're in our regular routines, when we're laying in bed, God says, I can still and will still speak to you. So we've looked at the setting. We've looked at the people. We have those two people lying in bed, and then we hear the call, the multiple calls. And I do not like this phrase. I do not like calling it the call. Because as someone studying in seminary right now, we hear over and over and over again about a call to ministry. And we hear over and over again within the church that a call from God is usually a call to something, a call to being a missionary or serving in some high church capacity. But in this, we simply hear the call from God was, Samuel, Samuel, there's nothing overly spiritual about that call. I call my brother the same way. I can call my mom later and say, hey mom, and we can call that a call. And so we have to recognize in this scripture, this isn't some overly spiritual calling on Samuel's life. This was simply a God who knew Samuel's name, wanted to get Samuel's attention, and just called his name out. And I think we need to read that and we need to hear that because sometimes we just need to hear God calling our name. It's not calling us towards this 
epic calling that we like to call it. It's simply God saying, hey, Peter. Hey, Peter, are you listening? Hey, Peter. And I think that's important. That's important for me to hear. That's important for all of us to hear that God calls not just to a task, but God calls to speak. A God who speaks to us. And I think what's also important within this is this call started way earlier than this night while Samuel was lying in bed. This call started already with Samuel's mother in the temple praying to God for a child. This call started earlier with Eli blessing the mother and saying, may this be as you have asked. And I think now that the calls in our lives start at our baptisms, start at profession of faith, start when we have a community around us who is willing to also listen for that call, who is also willing to direct us to hear the voice of God. The call isn't just in that moment when I hear God say, hey, Peter, the call starts with a community around each one of us saying, speak into our lives, God. And then we see the first response. Samuel did not nail this. Samuel got up three times and said, hey, Eli, I heard you calling. Here I am. And I'm wondering, who, who was this a failure on? Was this a failure on God's part? And I don't mean that in a blasphemous way or anything, but you'd think that God could make his voice distinct from Eli, who Samuel had heard every single day for nine years. I know what my dad's voice sounds like. And if, I'll pick on Ruth Ann again, if Ruth Ann said, hey, Peter, I know that's not my dad's voice. And so I wonder, God, couldn't you have made it more clear that this was you calling? And sometimes I think, was this a failure on Samuel's part? He spent every day for nine years in front of God, and he couldn't hear God's voice. And so I wonder. But then I also see the fact that Samuel did actually hear his name. And Samuel didn't just roll over in bed and say, I think I'm hearing things, or I'll just pretend I didn't hear even Eli because I don't want to do whatever he's asking right now. Samuel still got up each time to follow and to find out where was this voice, and what was it asking? And we might expect from Samuel that he didn't understand that voice. It says the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. But we also hear Eli saying multiple times, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And you'd think that Eli, the priest, the one who God had talked to, would figure it out a little quicker. But he doesn't. And so we have two people God trying, God calling by name, and two people who just aren't getting it. But I think this is where the turning point happened for me. This is where I learned something about God again this week, was the response by God. And I put here, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, is how the rest of that phrase goes, at least when my mom always told me it. So if at first you don't succeed, and we read, the Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And God was not going to give up just because Samuel didn't get it the first time. In his persistent, irresistible grace, God came this time again, a fourth time, calling Samuel again by name. And this time, Samuel was ready. God is persistent. God is forgiving. 
God is a God that will keep calling your name, even if you do not know God yet, even if you do know God and just aren't recognizing that, even when you're just lying in bed doing nothing out of the ordinary to try to hear that voice, God is a God who speaks, and God is a God who is willing to take the time necessary for all of us to hear what that might say. And so we have take two. We have another opportunity for Samuel and Eli to get it right. And this time, Eli does realize that it's the Lord calling him. And this time, Samuel does have an opportunity to say, speak, for your servant is listening. And what I love again in this moment is when it clicks for Eli that this is God calling to you. Nothing in the story changes. It's not, this is God, make sure you do this and this and this and this and make sure your hair is washed and you're dressed right and sit in this spot because it's God speaking to you. Eli simply says, go to the place where God has been calling you. Go back to bed. Go back where you heard that whisper and now that you recognize it, stay in that space and listen to what God has to say. Again, not an over-spiritualization of this event, the simple recognition that God is calling you, go back to that space. And so Samuel does. Samuel goes and lays there. And I took some time this week to try to put myself in Samuel's shoes. This would have been terrifying. He has been in the temple for nine years. He has been hearing about this God who parted the seas, who sent plagues, who did this and that. And now Samuel is hearing a voice that he's just been told is God. I don't know that I would want to crawl back into bed and listen again for that voice. Samuel makes himself vulnerable. Samuel makes himself go back, even if he's scared, to hear what that says. It's a big deal to hear any voice at night. It's a smaller deal if you think it's the guy who you've been working with for nine years. It's a big deal when it's someone you don't recognize at all. But Samuel did this because he wanted to hear that call from the Lord. And I think in this community was so important. Without Eli, Samuel would not have known. I think that would have kept going on and on and on of Samuel, Samuel, getting up, looking for the voice. Samuel, Samuel. But with Eli, a priest who was blind, but a priest who had known God, Samuel was able to discover what that voice was and was able to respond. And then we see the results, the response from God. And here we see just simply the Lord said to Samuel. And we don't need to go over all the things that were said because that's not, I don't think, the important part, at least in this um, telling of, of the story. The simple fact that it was Samuel went back to bed and said, speak, Lord, and God spoke. And what's interesting to me is what God spoke wasn't even a word for Samuel at all. It was a word for Eli. And then it would step back and be like, wait a minute, all of this work to speak to Samuel and you really just wanted to speak to Eli? And again, I just think it's funny how God is working in that of was this God's play all along was really to just get a hold of Eli. And so he did it through Samuel. But Samuel only knew because Eli recognized. And it's this whole cycle again of God's persistence when God wants to speak to his people, God will speak. And again, it's within that community 
that that happens. And Eli's ultimate response as we read there is, he is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. Another version of, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. Because what Samuel said was not good news for Eli. What Samuel said was actually very bad news for Eli and his whole family. But Eli recognized this is the word of the Lord and I need to be listening. And the rest of the results, I threw them up on this slide. God kept speaking. God had found someone who was learning to hear his voice and God said, I will keep speaking to you. And none of Samuel's words fell to the ground. I love that, uh, that word picture of everywhere that Samuel went to speak God's word, God made something happen with those words. And by the end of it, in 4 verse 1, we read, Samuel's word came to all of Israel. God was speaking so much in Samuel's life that the people recognized Samuel's words were the words of God. And I think that's a beautiful picture of a people who are listening, of a boy who did not know God, of an old man who did know God, but things were kind of falling off the rails a bit. In community, hearing that voice of God and the whole community then hearing it as well. And so as we close, looking at two th things here, posture and community, that posture of Samuel, that posture of a small boy who says, I'm not anything significant just in who I am, but I will say, speak, Lord, because I'm laying here and I'm ready to listen. And that posture of an old man who is not hearing from God and the visions that he does receive through someone else are not what he wants to hear, and he says, speak, Lord, I'm listening because you are God. And then the fact that that all happens in community. It's not just a pastor up here who is going to hear the word of the Lord. In fact, it wasn't the high priest at all in that time who heard the word of the Lord. Where is God speaking to all of us? Where do we encourage each other to hear what God is saying? Where do we say what God is saying to others and so that word of God spreads? We talked last week about who is in control, and I love this story because God is in control. God isn't in control again by moving the pieces and saying, well, Samuel, I want you to sit here because you're going to recognize this. It's the, I am in control and my voice will be heard. And you can figure it out along the way, but I will continue to work with my people. And I stole this last point, the last point we're going to end with, the point that I needed to hear from God again this week, and maybe some of us do also, that the best news was simply the call. The best news was simply that God was speaking. The best news is that this wasn't at all about Samuel or Eli. This was about a God who has revealed himself, continues to do that, not always just in person, but by speaking to God's people. And Samuel receives this call. But the best news is that God speaks and God continues to speak. And may we live in such a posture and in such a community that these words of the Lord don't stop coming. That these words of the Lord don't fall empty. That we hear what God is saying and we can respond with whatever that means. And one of the ways we'll respond now is in prayer. And then another response with a song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. That on one hand feels like an application song of, hey, open my eyes. When you step back from that application, what are you opening our eyes to? The fact that you are there all along, and we just need to see it. 
And so let's read scripture to find out who is God and what is God like in our lives. Please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you that you are a God who speaks. Thank you that we don't have to do all of these different steps just to try to hear your voice, but that you call us regardless. Thank you that we can be in community, that we are in a community that wants to hear and follow your voice. Thank you for the people around us who can point us in that direction or who can speak for you as well. As we continue to worship here and as we go home into our lives again this week, may we hear your voice as you continue to speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen.